G'day guys and welcome to the Great Footy Debate Podcast, the footy show that delves into the big topics into the AFL. Today, co-host Smithy and I are giving away our mid-year awards and these are going to be a bit different. They're not going to be your usual boring old awards. They're going to be a few that we've come up with ourselves. We hope you guys uh, interact with us. Let us know who you think should win these awards. Make up your own. That's okay. And the way you can interact with us is on Twitter. We are on Twitter at Great Footy Debate. And we want you guys to get involved. Do you agree with our picks? Do you not agree with our picks? That's all in the fun. And we are looking forward to this. It's going to get real interesting. And I've got a feeling it's going to get real loose. My name's Daz. His name is Smithy. How are you, mate? Yeah, mate. I'm very well. I'm on cloud nine, actually. We, um, we've got the podcast up and running. We're, we're on social media. We're growing and it's what we like to see. We've got content coming. We've got plans in place. It's all happening here at the Great Footy Debate. Can't wait for this one. This is going to be a ripper, mate. Really looking forward to it. Um, we did promise a draft uh, that is coming. We do promise, but we will reveal that the theme of that draft, it's going to be a nice, easy one first up. It's just going to be the current crop of players. So when Smithy and I record this obviously doesn't go out live, but when we record, we'll find a way to determine who gets the number one pick and then we'll be announcing our picks, obviously, back and forth, what position they'll fill. And then we will post our teams to Twitter a few days after the podcast comes out so you guys have a chance to listen and then you guys will have a chance to vote on who has the best team. But it's not about that today. Today, we are giving out our awards. Smithy, you ready to get stuck in, mate? Mate, I'm ready. All righty, mate. We are halfway through the year and the rising star race. It's been a beauty this year. Yeah, there's definitely some young stars amongst us. And um, yeah, for, for the mid-season, I think there's a lot of contenders. Absolutely, mate. But we are not sitting on the fence here at all. There are no two options. There is only one. So Smithy's mid-year rising star winner is... James Jordan from the Melbourne Football Club. Bang. Jeez, he's been good. He's been fantastic. I've got a few stats here for you, mate. He's oh, please do. Av- he's averaging 16 and a half disposals and four score involvements. But most importantly, he has played every single game for the best side in the comp. And he hasn't actually played a bad game yet. His consistency has been off the charts. Uh, his ability to impact the game in big games for the best side in the competition puts him above and beyond the rest for me. Um, so yeah, at this point I'd have James Jordan in front. Yeah. Melbourne we're on to a winner with the uh, mature aged recruit. Um, not too mature, of course, as he was the nomination. Uh, was it last week? Uh, the week I believe. Before? I think it was two weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. I think it was two weeks ago. He's definitely up there, mate. All right. Um, we know the fans know that you have an unreal fascination with the 2004 Port Adelaide Premiership team. That's that's true. Now, I don't really have that sort of affinity with a team, but I get really passionate about individual players, especially young players. Um, and you know that I'm a big fan of this man from the Giants. His name is Tom Green. Yeah, no, nah, I, I saw this coming from a mile away, to be honest. Yeah, this man is a bull. Now... I really hate on draft night comparisons. This kid's going to be the next, you know, insert superstars if there's not enough pressure on this man already. He was described as the next Patrick Cripps. 
and if you looked at their form this year, Tom Green's had a better year. He's been unbelievable. I know Cripps has been good the last three weeks, but I'm ditching him now. It's not about him. This man has played 10 games. He did get dropped, but it's not about getting dropped, mate. It's about what you do when you come back into the side. He's averaging 21 disposals, six score involvements, five clearances in a midfield that contains Josh Kelly, Jacob Hopper, Tim Taranto. Don't forget they've got Stephen Cornelio and Matt DeBoer on the sidelines. This young man has stepped up in a massive way, and he is my rising star so far. Yeah, I, I, it's hard to argue with that. Um, but yeah, I think James Jordan has played a bigger part in what is a better side. So I know it's an individual award, but just for that, I've got James Jordan ahead. But um, definitely could be up to the fans to decide to be the deciding factor for that one. Yeah, that's got fan poll written all over it. So make sure you follow us on Twitter. Okay, moving on, mate. We're going NBA style with this one. Um, Julius Randle won the most improved in the NBA from the New York Knicks. But this ain't about the NBA, my friend. It is about the AFL. Who is Smithy's most improved player? I think there's only one answer to this question. Okay. He wears the he wears the red and black. We currently have him second in the Brownlow yep. after after half a season. It's Darcy Parrish. And <laughs> hasn't hasn't this bloke just exploded and finally taken the leap that we thought he could? Um, I'll reel off some stats for you. He's averaging 30 disposals, eight clearance, eight clearances. 450 meters gained and 22 effective disposals per game. All of them ranked elite in the competition. That is huge, mate. Um, Who would have thought that drafting a midfielder, taking him off a half forward flank and putting him in the midfield. And he was only put there because Dylan Sheil and Jai Caldwell went down with injury. So when they come back, isn't that going to be an interesting watch, but who would have thought mate, when you have a high draft pick, that's a midfielder and he plays in the midfield. He's a good midfielder. I know it's mind blowing. It, it's it, it's it's rocket science. We, that we've, sounds we've like cracked, too much common sense to me. <laughs> we've cracked the code finally, but um, now nah, Darcy Parish has been outstanding. Now Daz, yes, sir. I said I think there's only I said I think there's only one answer to that question. Yes. Do you have the same answer, or have you gone a different path? No, no, no. We have the same answer. Um, I love disagreeing with you. We love a debate, obviously, on a great footy debate. But, yeah, there's only one answer here. But given that I don't want to go over your ground, I am going to give an honourable mention. I do think there is one player that is potentially could catch him. It's a very big could because Darcy Parrish, to me, is, you know, dollar ten if this was a market. But I want to give a shout-out to a man who, on a half-forward flank, could make a moment look elite. And this is a man that's gone to a halfback flank and he's just creating elite moments. He's keeping a Norm Smith medalist out of the spot that he was in when he won Norm. Bailey Dale at the Western Bulldogs is having an unbelievable season. And I believe he's the only one that could come close to catching Darcy Parrish. I don't think he will. I think it's Darcy's to lose at this point. Like he said, I have him coming second in the Brownlow. Bailey Dale's last game, he had 30, 21 kicks. We love men that kick the ball, Smithy. Yep. And he's, you mentioned that he's um, kicked JJ out of that spot, but he's also replaced Caleb Daniel as that ball user off halfback. So he's really risen to that 
top ball user off the halfback flank. And for that Bulldog side who like to slingshot the ball down Marvel Stadium under the roof, he's doing a fantastic job at the moment. He sure is, mate. And he's still going at better than half a goal a game, which for a halfback flanker is unbelievable. All right, mate, we are going to move on. Now, this one interests me greatly because we are big NBA fans. And their version of the Brownlow is the MVP. Now, we have a Brownlow and an MVP. And I believe, and I'll get your thoughts in a second, that the MVP and the Brownlow could not be more polar opposite awards because the Brownlow is the man that had the best year. And that's it. The most valuable player is the player that if you if they left the team they were playing for, they would become worse than taking any player out of their team. That's what I believe. That's what valuable means, especially in my eyes. So if you take, so coming up with my winner of this award, I was thinking about who, if they weren't in their side, who would become instantly worse and not just worst, way worse. What are your thoughts on MVP versus Brownlow? Yeah, I, you've hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. When I read the term MVP, I thought, which player is the most valuable in their side? Who is the most irreplaceable? Who is the man who stands alone on their side? And I've got an answer for you, my friend. That's it. And just before you reveal your answer, man, like the, the example that I want to give to the listeners, just so I hope they follow where I'm coming from. So Lockie Neal deserved the Brownlow last year. Absolutely. He was the best player in the competition. No one can take that away from him. Geelong would not have been a good side without Tom Hawkins and what he did. So for mine, Tomahawk should have been the MVP. He was the most valuable because if you took him out of Geelong, they didn't have a lot in terms of their forward structure. But Lockie Neal was the best player. So that's the difference for me. So who is the most valuable player for you halfway through the season, my friend? For me, is a man on a bad side who has just put the backpack on and carried his side. It's Jack Steele from St. Kilda. What a man. Jeez, we... <laughs> um, There's a lot of Jack yeah. Steele love in this podcast. Yeah, Jack Steele. Um, I'm his number one fanboy, I'll be honest. But let's have a look at this. Let's have a look at some stats here. He's averaging 27 disposals, 13 of them being contested, six clearances, six score involvements, and seven tackles per game. Without Jack Steele in that St. Kilda midfield, they would be in an, a horrific spot because now I'm going to get onto St. Kilda a bit later um, without revealing too much, but, but their team has a lot of downhill skiers in there, a lot of blokes who don't want to defend, a lot of blokes who don't take pride in defending. Jack Steele is one of the hardest working, defensive orientated midfielders in the league who can also go forward in games and kick three goals like he did earlier in the year. I think if Jack Steele wasn't in St. Kilda's midfield, there is no chance that they have five wins. Absolutely no chance. And for that, he's my most valuable player for halfway through the AFL season. I like it, mate. I like it a lot. And as we said, there is a lot of Jack Steele love on this podcast. All right. I'm going down the same path as you, mate. I'm going for a player in a bad side. This team is four and seven. And they would be, frankly, lucky to be one and 10 if this man wasn't there. Smithy, 
the footy world was asking this man to retire last year. A lot of fans in the football state that this man plays for, the opposition fans, just wanted him to go away. This man has probably the most unfair hate towards him of any player I think I've seen, especially in the last decade. Do you have a clue? Do you have a guess? I haven't quite gotten onto it yet. I'm interested though. Taylor, the Texan Walker. Oh, the big Texan. This man has been involved in 44% of all of Adelaide's scores when he's played. He missed the game against West Coast, of course. 44%. That's huge numbers. Now, let me take you through Adelaide's wins. Round one, they beat Geelong. I wonder who kicked the most goals that game. Taylor Walker, five goals, two. We move on to their win against the Suns. A certain someone kicked six goals, three, Smithy. Can you enlighten the listeners on who that was? I'm going to have a wild stab and say Taylor Walker. My goodness gracious me, you've done well there. They then beat North. Two players did kick three. One of them did kick three, two, and took seven grabs. Do you want to have a guess at who that was, mate? The Big Texan? It was the Big Texan, mate. And when they beat Melbourne, Melbourne, the undefeated Melbourne, one man stepped up with under a minute to go to put them in front. He outmuscled one of the most informed fullbacks in the competition in Stephen May. He then went back and slotted his third for the day. The big Texan, mate. Adelaide would be completely rubbish without him. It's been one of the greater turnarounds. If there was, now they have this in the NFL. If there was a comeback player of the year award, Taylor Walker, would have his, Taylor Walker would have his name on it. Yep. Couldn't agree more, mate. Um, All right. So, yeah, I think that's a good, good shout. Yep. No, I can't, can't argue with anything. Next up, mate, we have Coach of the Year. Now, if you listen to the AFL media, this is a slam dunk. Um, we like a little bit something different here. So who is your coach of the mid-year? For me, it is John Longmire, the coach of the Sydney Swans. The horse. I gave the Swans some love with Tom Hickey, but the fact that he has his side sitting six on the ladder when no one expected them to compete this year is just brilliant. They have completely changed their game style from last year and from 10 years previous. They've been known purely as a defensive-minded team who love congestion. They love stoppages. They love a scrap. They love that small surface at the SCG where they can just box teams in and pressure and pressure. But they've completely flicked the switch this year. They've turned to an attacking style of footy. They're hitting the corridor. They've got great ball users like Jake Lloyd and Jordan Dawson coming out of defense who are just taking on these wild kicks that are coming off. And they're sitting sixth in what is a great competition this year. But the amount of kids who he has brought in this season and who have come in and performed straight away off the charts, I think Horse Longmire deserves a lot of recognition He's probably not getting enough recognition. All of it's going to Don Pike, who's come in as assistant coach. But uh, let's give the horse some love. He's been amazing. 
has been amazing, mate. And yeah, Sydney are flying. The amount of youth that they've got on that list is borderline illegal. So if there are any clubs out there that are hunting for young kids, our club is one. See what you can get uh, for these kids because they have got plenty of them that aren't playing in the seniors that are too good for the twos. I love the pick, mate. All right, I've gone boring, Simon Goodwin. And it's for two reasons. Number one, I am a big believer in um, giving love to those that come back. 2018 was the fairy tale for Melbourne fans. And for the next two years, it was hell again. Um, And Melbourne were in a place where I think they were doubting where their list was at. I'm not sure about their doubt over Simon Goodwin, to be perfectly honest. But what they have done, not only being nine and one, they have played good teams and wiped them. Richmond have won three of the last four flags. After a first quarter where they looked overwhelmed, they destroyed Richmond. They took the dogs to the cleaners last week. They've beaten, oh, who's the, oh, they beat Geelong in Geelong friendly conditions at the MCG and took them apart. And like you said, Choco Williams is getting a lot of the credit for where Melbourne are at. And by all means, if Choco is doing an amazing job, he deserves all the love he can get. But for goodness sake, if we wanted to fire this man for what happened in 2019 and 2020, can those critics at least give him some love for the fact that Melbourne are working their way back to success? Not hard. I would have thought. Yeah, no, I agree there. And um, they're actually 10 and one. Oh, 10 and one. Yes, you're right. Round 11. Geez, I'm going well. I was more passionate about goodies so, uh, than I was about the. Uh, they're going better than I thought they were, so it definitely is goodies. Yeah, so it, it's it's actually provided more merit on your argument because they've won an extra game than you thought. There you go, goody. If uh, if some of the media aren't in your corner, mate, I definitely am. Uh, we're moving on, mate, and I'm calling this award the Phantom Menace Award for all my footy nerds out there, because this is something in the game during the uh, first half of the year. That's just really disappointed you. So as we know, Star Wars, the Phantom Menace is a movie that does not need to be watched more than once. Um, But this is what's happened during the year that has just really made you flat, mate. I'm taking aim at Michael Christian. Oh, bang. There we go. Righto. The match review officer. Now, (laughs) some... Some of the decisions that have been made by him are absolutely mind-boggling. Now, Lockie Plowman got two weeks. I won't touch on that because it's going to come up later. But he suspended Nick Holman of the Gold Coast Suns for two weeks for a perfectly good chase-down tackle. He suspended Ben Cunnington for a hit milliseconds after disposing the ball that wasn't even high hit. And he suspended Taron Thomas. Now, all of those players fought the charge and got off. So that shows me that Michael Christian is not doing his due diligence. He is not doing his job. And some of the suspensions that have been handed out could single-handedly ruin the game because 
it is just ridiculous what people are getting punished for at the moment and what people aren't being punished for at the same time. Hits 100 metres off the ball, getting fines, whereas tackles are getting two weeks. Every week, it seems like there's an, a match review officer blunder. He needs to be better. Otherwise, it's going to ruin our great game. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. That is proof that you do not need to yell in order to get your point across, mate. I could not agree with you more. He doesn't win my award, but I don't think there's a true footy fan out there that does not agree with everything you said. And yeah, for me, that Nick Holman one, I don't understand how you get a free kick and then you don't get to play the next two weeks. And I think all footy fans cheered when he got off. So I agree, mate. That's a boggler. My Phantom Menace Award, my Disappointment Award. St. Kilda. We've been strong on this. I lined them up last week and I said that you couldn't give me any amount of money to coach them. Now give me your take. I grew up with two wonderful parents and their biggest weapon against me, mate, was not being mad at me. It was being disappointed in me. I'm not mad at St. Kilda. I'm not. I'm disappointed, mate. This is, this is terrible. They won a final. They won a final. And tw- uh, 11 games later, lost to the same team by 20 goals. You've already touched on this. They've put money into the wrong places, as we know. But their performances on field is putrid. They went from the most watchable team last year to right now. I wouldn't watch them if they had, you know, better entertainment at grounds in Melbourne, even though we're in lockdown. I'm glad that we're in lockdown, so I can't show up to the ground by mistake. I don't want any part of what they're dishing up. And I am taking Jack Steele out of this equation. That man is Nick Rewalt-like in the sense that he would bleed red, black, and white. And I think he's got 40 other blokes on a list that need to have a good hard look at themselves at where they're at. Because I don't care what the, uh, the CEO says about they think their premiership window starts next year. You have failed we go how's that for a bit of uh yeah pessimism from the both of us mate but we're going to move on to something else here because we're going to keep the uh the rant going we are going with the head scratcher award what has happened in the first 11 rounds that has completely boggled your mind my friend now i touched on it before you did it feeds into my michael christian rant but the two-week the two-week suspension of Lockie Plowman from Carlton is just the most head-scratching, bizarre thing that has happened in our year so far. This man, with the game on the line, ran off his opponent with eyes only for the footy, made a brave play on the ball, and I repeat, on the ball. He punched the ball away from Jay Gromira while collecting him. Now, are we trying to protect the head? Yes. Is it a good thing that we are trying to protect the head? Yes. I've been concussed many times and 
It's not a great feeling. But accidents are going to happen. It is a contact sport at the end of the day. Now, if Lockie Plowman's intent was to come off his man, punch the ball, save the game for his side, he should not be punished for that. And I repeat, not be punished for that. I think it was brave by Plowman. It was brave not only him putting his body on the line for his side, but it was brave of him to run off his man to get the ball. He put the team first, he put the result first and got punished for it. It's ridiculous. And this is what I was talking about before. If decisions like this continue, our game will be ruined. It'll turn into... It'll turn into netball where you're penalized for making contact with someone else. And I know I don't want that. I know footy fans don't want that. But um, it was not good to see. It left me really, really angry. And I still am. I see red every time I see the vision because I know he copped weeks for that. Now, Daz, you have the floor. You have the floor, my friend. I do, mate. Now... I don't know where you stand, but I think gambling is a problem when it comes to sport. I think it, I think that the amount of gambling advertising that we have can be dangerous, especially around kids. Um, We know footy players that get in trouble with gambling. We know it's dangerously addictive. A little bit of gambling's fun. Too much gambling is dangerous. Um, And if you're wondering just how far gambling can go, to any fan out there that wants to DM footy players about their multis, stop it. To the man out there that Instagrammed Mitch Duncan after he was concussed in the Nick Holman incident that you brought up, that called him weak for being concussed, a slang term for female genitalia, which if you knew anything about the way Mitch Duncan plays his footy is not true at all. The fact that this is the kind of people, because I'm sure he's not the first person to do this, that wouldn't belong on a footy field at Cranbourne, let alone GMHBA Stadium or the MCG. And not that it is entirely relevant, but Mitch Duncan is one of the nicest blokes in footy. If you think that it is okay to target these players personally, And not only have a go at them because you put too much money on and you lost it, it is up to you as an adult to have the financial responsibility of not putting on more than you lose. To reach out to him on social media, slag him off, and then this is my favorite part, and this is the bit that wins the Head Scratcher Award, Smitty. He expects, quote, expected to be reimbursed $1,000 for losing his bet. You have got to be kidding me. We have to do yeah, better. I um yeah, I I remember the incident. I actually sent you the link to that incident and did, mate. I was in total disbelief and I was totally appalled, but not surprised at the same time at the just pure irresponsibility and the absolute arrogance and 
oh, it's just, I can't think of the words because the act is purely disgusting. Why AFL players have to put up with online abuse, whether it be racial, whether it be money, whether it be, you know, their personality, the way they play, any sort of abuse online behind a screen is just not okay. Now, we have our opinions. I've just spoken about Michael Christian, but that is purely based on football. Not him as a person, not anything like that. So, yeah, it's disgusting. I hate seeing it. I hate reading about it. I want it to stop. So just, and we'll end it on this and we'll move on to the next uh, quote-unquote award. If anyone out there is feeling the need to reach out to football players about your multis, there are resources out there that can help you with gambling problems because if it's not a problem, you laugh it off. It was just a loss. But if it's not just a loss to you, you need to get some help. We as a footy society only walk as slow as the slowest person. And when people think that doing that type of shit is okay, we just fall further behind. Stop doing it. We're moving on. All right, mate, we're going to get some happiness back into this joint. We've had a couple of downers. We're going to get back up. Um, the Common Sense Award. Here we go. From slagging people off to giving someone their due diligence. What was the best decision someone's made this year, my friend? Well, you you spoke about giving someone their due diligence and pumping up their tires for a call and really making them feel good. That's it. I'm gonna do I'm gonna do that for myself. You're winning your common Smithy sense. Smithy wins the common sense award. <laughs> what? Smithy wins. Oh, this can't be allowed. Smithy wins the common sense award. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. Pro- now we are both avid super coach players. Uh, we are. Love our fan love our love our fantasy sports. <laughs> In the preseason. Mm. We we caught up in the preseason. We're having a kick of the footy. We did. I declared to you, and I repeat, declared that Jack Zebel was a lock for any oh. super coach side. Oh goodness, yep. Okay, I know where this is going. Yep. Well, I'm not going to come did out I of this not, looking good. <laughs> did I not declare it, Daz? You did, mate. You were destroying me in the sort of footy mini games that we had going on at the time. And then you, you dropped it and then you doubled down and it's been your, probably your strongest opinion on fantasy footy this year. And he wasn't on board. Daz wasn't on board, but I had so much confidence in Jack Zebel in his new role that he'd have a great super coach season. And now Daz, can you yeah. just tell the fans <laughs> who may not know which, which oh player, which forward in Supercoach has scored the most points to the mid-season mark? It might be North Melbourne's captain. I believe it might be. Yeah. And his name is? His name is Jack Siebel. And there it is. So for that, call that I made in the preseason and the the reward that I've reached from it. I'm having a terrible super coach season, but that has been the shining light for me. 
I win the Common Sense Award. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You've got to be. Wow. Goodness me. Right. Well, there's an introduction into the natural arrogance of this man. Uh, for two reasons. He's won his own award and he didn't even ask me who's winning mine. So my Common Sense Award. <laughs> I can't believe that. Um, we're going to get this back on track, mate. So I'm not a fan of long-term contracts and I don't think you are either. I think in a perfect world, I think six years should be the max. That's just me. Um, Collingwood's deal to Brody Grundy doesn't look as great as it was when he signed it. Um, we even go back, Buddy Franklin's 10-year deal, look, was probably a success, but it it, for me, is the exception, not the rule. Alistair Lynch signed a 10-year deal and had chronic fatigue. Anything and everything can happen during these long-term deals. So my winner of the Common Sense Award is the Western Bulldogs for only giving the bond four years. Christian Petrarca signed a seven-year deal. Now, is Christian Petrarca worth a seven-year deal? That might be a debate for another show. But if by year three, he doesn't need and like Sam Doherty, if he does two knees in a row, that deal is automatically a failure. And you could say that, what if Melbourne win the flag this year? Okay, but he's got seven years after that. So what determines a seven-year deal to be a success? The Bont is a bona fide superstar. And if you're giving Petrarca, who's had 18 months of elite footy, seven years, given what the Bont's done in the last five years, and I've been a critic of the Bont probably more than most, and I'm firmly on his bandwagon now. It wouldn't be a surprise if he got eight, but no, the dogs recognize this. They gave him four. He's probably going to be worth money at the end of the four years because he's not going to be old, so they are going to want to pay him more. But I think it is the best list management decision of 2021. And I don't think the dogs are getting enough credit for it either. So they win my common sense award for not going over the top in re-signing the bond. Yeah, they, they won in both ways. They re-signed their captain and superstar, but they've also given themselves, you know, a, a good position in four years time, you know? So no, nah, I think you've, you've done well with that one. Appreciate that, mate. All right, we're moving on to uh, Shock All-Australian, or we're going to call it the Huh? Him? Award. Yes, you have to say it like that. So this is a man that if someone had walked up to you on the street and said, I reckon this guy is going to be All-Australian next year, you'd give them a weird look. But as we sit halfway through the year, they are in All-Australian contention. It's the most surprising All-Australian contending player and Smithy, like all of these, you're going to go first. I'm really interested in who you say. Go for it, mate. Now, this man is in his second full year of footy. He is playing for a fantastic side, and no one is talking about him. His name's Brandon Stasevich. Oh, the great man. The lockdown. Now, I'm going to read you some small forwards here. And I'm going to tell you how many goals they kicked on. I'm going to tell you how many goals they kicked on Brandon Stasovic. Okay. Hit me. So we we go back to round one, Tom Papley, one goal. Round two, Grind Myers, one goal. Round five, Anthony, Anthony McDonald, Tip and Woody. In ripping form. One. There you go. Round, round six, Eddie Betts, 
Zero. Donuts. Round seven, Robbie Gray. One. Round eight, Michael Walters. One. Round nine, Isaac Rankin. Zero. Round 10, Daniel Rioli. Zero. So this man has been like a Venus flytrap down back. He has just identified the best small forward. He's gone to them and said, you're not getting near it today, Sonny. <laughs> when you look at Brisbane's back line, yep. they, are, they are quite offensive in what they do. They like to rebound the ball off halfback. They've got Grant Birchall and Daniel Rich, who, let's be perfectly honest, they're not there to defend, my friend. No, they're not. They don't have a defensive bone in their body. And they I don't, don't think I've to. seen Grant Birchall in a one-on-one contest in his 14 years of playing footy. No, and quite frankly, he's not there to do so. That's why they have Brandon Sarsevich down there. He goes to the best small forward. He stops the best small forward. And in a world where the All-Australian team is about the flashy players, the players with the best highlight reels, I think we need some balance. We need a defensive-minded person in there. We need it to be realistic. He's the best defensive small defender in the AFL this year, in my opinion. He is my shock All-Australian. Thoughts? Mate, love it. And the fact that it took Channel 7 to see him shut down Daniel Rioli and Dustin Martin up at the Gava to actually start giving him some credit, I think just goes to show you that the uh, the media can get on a bit of a bandwagon because those names are elite. And we know that the All-Australians are a really fickle thing, but if you're picking players on position and on a merit like that, I think you have to have him. That's a brilliant pick. All right, mate. On now, I'm excited for your, I'm excited for your pick. I really am excited for your pick because you've you've spoken it up a little bit. I have, mate, and this guy is a what or was he's not now because he's had a, obviously an amazing season. But this man has been a bit maligned in the last two years at Melbourne when things aren't going that well. Now, if you think of Melbourne and players that could make the All Australian squad. I think you're looking at Gorn, who's probably the All-Australian captain fighting with the Bont. You're looking at Clayton Oliver. You've got Petrarca in there. If he's your cup of tea, I'd say squad, not team for um, Petrarca. You've got Ed Langdon, who's fighting for a spot on the wing. He got concussed um, last week, which might set him back a little bit. He's having an unbelievable year. Stephen May and Jake Lever have been fantastic. Christian Salem's in career best form. They are flying, but there is a man that when things aren't going well, I think he fans are very quick to jump on him. But he's genuinely flying, and I'd love to see him on a half-forward flank. Bailey Fritch. Yeah. He's, he's a loose unit, and I love that about him. He's got the very high hair. He's got the... I know I'm good strut about him. And when things are going well, mate, you have every entitlement to be like that. He's kicked 25 goals from 10 games, 70% efficiency, which for a forward, especially a half forward flanker, um, is what you want. Um, he's averaging a contested market game. And this is not a tall man. He's 6'2". Yeah. So this isn't Ben Brown or, you know, any of these tall forwards that, just get the arms out. He has to compete and scrap, and he's winning one a game. He's taking five marks. He's still having two inside 50s. If you're picking players on position, and you and I know that the All-Australian team doesn't work like that, 
Um, shout out to Dusty, who made a forward pocket last year. Um, if you're picking them on merit, I don't see why he's not the half forward flanker. Or if he stays deeper inside 50, he can even make it to a forward pocket. And he wouldn't be probably in the top five demons you'd think about in all Australian talks. But if he's not there, it's criminal. Yeah, I love the pick. And you know if Bailey Fritch has a shot at goal inside 50, you can put your glasses down. Oh, yeah. Pencil it in. That's it. You can get he, your chores done great... early because an ad break's coming. He's a great kicker footy. So love the pick. I think we've both um, put out some names that people will go, huh, him? Yep. That's it, mate. It's the huh, him award. And you do have to say it like that. Last one, mate. And it is the most important one. We should have got the black tie out because it's the mid-year Brownlow at round 11. Who has been the best player in the competition I have a feeling we're going to agree on this because we've both been really strong about this, especially in written platforms. So I think we're just going to take some time to glow about a man who's visually not that gifted, if we're being honest. Um, And this is coming from me. I'm really glad this isn't a visual medium, but if you go on uh, Twitter, you'll be able to find me pretty damn quickly. But he's going to get a lot of love, mate, and I'm going to let you go first. Take it away. Yeah, so I'm just... 32 disposals, 17 of them being contested. He's averaging seven clearances and eight score involvements a game. And his name is Clayton Oliver. Now, we knew he was good. Everyone knew he was good. But he is ripping an enormous amount of PI double five out of the AFL this year. And the thing he's got going for him in terms of the Brownlow is... Not only have they won 10 out of 11 games, but in their one loss, it was arguably the most heroic, dominant individual effort I've seen in a long time. 38 disposals and three goals in a losing side. It's not often a player in a losing side gets the three, but in their only loss, he's nearly guaranteed to get the three. So he's going to have an enormous amount of votes at the halfway mark. Daz can touch on that a bit more. But, um, yeah, he's running away with it at this point. Yep. We are in absolute, complete agreement, mate. And for anyone out there, this is what really bugs me, is the criticism that he gets for not winning the Brownlow so far is that the fact that he's not kicking goals. I believe he's kicked 5-8 for the year. So he did kick his three and only a couple since. Lockie Neal played 19 games last year, and that includes two finals. How many goals do you think Lockie Neal kicked last year? Last year's Brownlow medalist, mate. Do you want to have a guess? Are we talking in home and away and finals? Yeah, all nineteen games. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say six. No, not giving him enough credit. He did kick fourteen. Now he. Did oh kick, wow! There you go. He did kick 14, 13. But this whole my point here is is this whole notion of you need to be a goal kicking midfielder. He's plainly wrong. And like you said, his best goal-kicking game was in a 38 disposal. He kept Melbourne in that game. The fact that it was one point in the deliberate out-of-bounds that wasn't called overshadowed the fact that it was for large periods of that game, it was Adelaide versus Clayton Oliver. They won the clearances because of him. They won the contested ball because of him, especially in the second and third quarter when it was starting to slip away. 
stop hanging it on the man that just because he's not kicking the amount of goals that you want him to, he's going at 70% efficiency while having 17 contested possessions. That's nuts. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy stats. It is unbelievable. And just for reference, Lockie Neal last year uh, was having 12 contested possessions. So that would be five less. And it went at 72% efficiency. So I don't understand why he's not there. I'll touch on what you were talking about before, mate. So uh, very uh, long story short, uh, at the end of 2019, I wanted to come up with the new Supercoach because Supercoach was going really badly at this point in time. And due to some medical issues at the time, I had a lot of spare time on my hands. So whilst trying to produce this scoring system, um, it actually came up with almost like a predicting system. So based on whoever gets the most amount of points, gets votes, it's a lot more complicated than that, but I don't want to bore everyone with the math too quickly. Uh, sorry, too much. I have Clayton Oliver on top after 11 rounds with 23 votes. People have won it in the past with 23 votes. They've won it with less. I think Gavin Wanganin won it with 19. It's he's going to he's going to poll a ridiculous amount of votes. And for everyone out there that's thinking his teammates are going to take votes off him, his teammates are going to get votes, but don't forget they've won. So at worst, he's going to still be getting ones and he's not going to get many ones. He's under the umpire's nose. And like I said, he's being an absolute bull this year. I don't understand why every time Melbourne are up against a big club, it's Petrarca versus like on um, last week, it was Petrarca versus Bont. This is no disrespect to Christian Petrarca. You're in amazing form, but your teammate is winning the Brownlow for mine, your captain is going to be the All-Australian captain for mine. If not him, it's going to be vice-captain to Marcus Bontempelli. People need to start putting more respect on Clary's name. Is he the best foot? Uh, is he the best kick in the competition? No. Who was the last best kick in the competition to win a Brownlow? And let me tell you, Smithy, you're not a fan of Dangerfield's foot skills and he's won one. Yeah, no, I'd have to go back a fair way, actually, to think about that. Was Matt Prittis an elite ball user? Nope. Now, of course, you're going to think Gary Ablett Jr., and he absolutely was lethal by foot. That's not the debate here. It never. We're not saying it doesn't happen. We know Joe Watson had his taken off him. We're not going to talk about the politics, but Joe wasn't known for an outstanding leg. I don't know, mate. I think. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Clary and I don't think that'll happen much longer, especially if Melbourne sort of get their 18, 19 wins. I think it's going to be sort of like last year. I think it's going to be a, a boring Brownlow night with Clary running away with it. I will give credit to Darcy Parrish, who I have second. A lot of people have the Bont second. Completely understand why you would have that. Um, my leaderboard when it comes to my algorithm isn't based on my opinions at all. But I have Darcy Parrish second, Jared Lyons third, Marcus Bontempelli fourth, and I have Ollie Wines, Callum Mills, and Jack Steele equal fifth. What are your thoughts on that top five, mate, before we wrap up? Uh, there's two very, uh, three very underrated names in that list, being Parrish, Lyons, and Callum Mills. Um, as you said, not a lot of people would pick Lyons and Parrish over Bont. 
the big betting agencies aren't picking that. So, um, yeah, there's a few underrated names in there, but a lot of good seasons. But uh, it looks like at this stage, they will be also runs in terms of the Brownlow because um, Clary is running away with it. He absolutely is, mate. All right, congratulations to all our award winners. We have nothing official to give you, but you've got some good graces. So enjoy that, unless your name is Michael Christian, of course, who uh, might be licking his wounds after Smithy's rant. Smithy, thanks very much, mate. It has been a pleasure for anyone out there that has listened to our episodes and are listening again. We thank you so much for coming back and giving up your time, especially if you're in Victoria during lockdown, there's a lot of time on our hands. And if you're spending some of your day listening to us to have our little rants, we really appreciate that. If you're here for the first time and you enjoyed it, please drop us a, a follow or a subscribe wherever you listen. We're getting on new platforms every day. Uh, we are on Spotify. Uh, we are moving towards Google and Apple very, very soon. If you have a footy loving mate, please, by all means, give it a share. And if you guys want to interact with us, we are on Twitter at the Great Footy Podcast. Uh, we are going to be posting quite a bit, promoting the show and promoting our polls and wanting to get you guys involved. So by all means, please follow that as well. This has been our mid-year awards. This has been the Great Footy Debate. I'm Daz, he's Smithy, and we're here to say see you later. Take it easy, guys.